So, Alex, we had started to talk about how uh, getting used to <clears throat> physical sensations uh, that that doctors can't cure, that pills don't help, et cetera, like that. And in fact, that's part of the reason why there's such an opium addiction mm. crisis in the West, uh, is people are looking for something to give them peace and quiet, to give them relief from their pain. Mm. And most of them don't realize is that pain is actually the mental process results of a sensation in the body generally. And we don't like that sensation. It could be sharp and piercing, but that doesn't mean that it's pain. It's just a sharp piercing sensation. How about a throbbing situation? Or how about a, uh, an itchy sensation? That in fact, if you ever had an arm in the cast, you recognize that you can have dull sensations and physical sharp sensations and itchy sensations mm-hmm. kind of all in the same general area of the arm all at the mm-hmm. same time. <laughs> yeah, you have, remember that well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but the one that's the sharp one is the one that we don't like so much. The the uh, the itchy feeling we want kind of want to scratch it but we can't get in there. Uh-huh. But it's when we're moving the hand that makes the arm hurt mm-hmm. because the bones and the muscles here and they're saying, "Hey man, we're trying to heal here." <laughs> <laughs> but when we're moving the hand, all of that stuff happens. And so the reason that I'm talking about this is because. This is why body is the first of the four foundations of mindfulness and breathing, which uses the breathing to get in touch with the body, because this is such a very powerful kind of thing, because in the time of the Buddha, medicine was quite primitive that people did not have. Let us say, even though there was opioids and opium and poppies and that kind of thing, they still didn't have the kind of stuff that they've got today. That there was some mollifying, but people had to deal with physical pain. Lifespan wasn't as long. Life was tough. And so people were capable of getting used to uh, and being satisfied with physical pain. And so that's the first foundation of mindfulness. And that's why it starts there. But in order to start working with the body, we've got to already be working with the mind. So if you've already gotten your mind exercised to the point that you're willing to deal happily with sensations of the body that you don't like, but you can deal with them, that you're strong enough, you're powerful. Yeah, that's an old friend. I've seen that feeling before. I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it's not a, a new, dangerous, uh, intense uh, sensation. It's an old, familiar, intense sensation. And I dealt with it before I can deal with it again. This is the attitude that we begin to develop. The winner's attitude. That, huh, I can handle that. 
what herniated disc i know what that's all about been there done that <laughs> yeah i can sit up i can pay attention to my posture so that i don't have physical pain i can adjust the body come mindful so rolling over so that the leg doesn't hurt yeah we can do that kind of thing we can take care of it yeah we don't need help we don't have to go crawling off to the doctor and cry into the napkin we can handle it that birds okay so if we can begin to get that mental attitude about the body this is in fact one of the reasons why martial artists fit into and become good dama dudes in a hurry is because they've already got this mastered. Mm. They've got other skills mastered, like being in the present moment. Because if you're not watching when that fist is flying into your face, you're going to get a face full of fist. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you got to watch what you're doing. Right. So that whole presence of mind and the body at a physical reality will then allow us to begin to develop that skill at a, on a mental level also, so that the slings and arrows and fists of outrageous fortune that come flying at us are actually coming out of our own mind. Mm. Like rules, how things are supposed to be. Mm. Are not getting what we want because we think that what we want is going to be life-saving that I can't live without it. In fact, oh, no. Uh, if you can live with that leg pain, then you can get along with not getting what you want. And so this is actually quite a lot of the practice built right into it, right there. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's been dealing with it for the past two years, so it's been nice. Well, now you can deal with it with the way to deal with it so that you don't have to deal with it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, yes. Which is just stop wanting so much. Because if we want something and don't have it, now we got to work really hard with that right attitude to bring it out of dissatisfaction into satisfaction. It's actually easier to not even want it in the first place. Mm -hmm. To notice the wanting first. Yeah, the, oh, I want something, never mind. This is really interesting. He said this because uh, something I've noticed during the past couple of days is the the way I approach practice has somewhat um, transitioned from having my eye on the ball at all times, being on guard for unwholesome thoughts, because I don't want that to come through, right? I don't want those unwholesome thoughts to come through, because if they do, then I'm going to have a whole bunch of dukkha. But the thing is, is I, I think I've started to see that as an unwholesome thought too that i need to yes, do all this talked about that exactly yeah so now what it's starting what it's turned into is i'm just going throughout the day and i'm just relaxing just relaxed 
Well, remembering to relax. Remembering to relax, yeah. And then... Okay. Well, isn't that the Eightfold Noble Path right there then? Remembering to look at what you're doing and take the effort to relax instead. Yeah, that's that's all. And then we begin to develop the attitude. Hey, I can relax anytime I want to. Uh huh. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, well, that's the sama sankapa. That's the right attitude. That's the the winner's position. Yeah, and in fact, there's things that used to grip me so much before that now when they happen, like. Oh, I need to do something, or something's wrong here. Oh no, something's really wrong here. I see those thoughts, and not immediately, but pretty quickly, there's like a congratulations that goes off in my head. It's like, oh, good seeing, congratulations, you can just relax. Oh, mm -hmm. good seeing, congratulations, you can just relax. And it's like, it's like starting to happen by itself, or at least with a lot less effort. And, right, and this uh, congratulations is not so forced. Yes. It was in the beginner stage. Now yes. it's getting even more relaxed itself. Even the congratulations yes. is relaxed. Yes, and there's like, a, you know, that inner berater that's there, that inner berater of like, oh, no, you're, you're you, the dukkha and wholesome thought came up. That's not good. And I, I'm starting to see like, well, it just doesn't make sense to berate myself for having dukkha. It just doesn't make sense. There's, it's just going to keep- Especially since you've been doing it for so long already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I know what that looks like. You know, <laughs> hey, I might not have everything handled right now. I might not have all the information. Sure, maybe unwholesome thought came up, but the best thing to do right now is for sure to just relax, to take a breath, relax, be satisfied without getting what I wanted. And I just bring myself back to that over and over again. And well, yeah, look how many weeks it's taken you to come to that. Yeah, but but it's nice when you can get to that position and look. Can, can, so now you can reflect and look how far you've come. In fact, one of the things that we can see is, is that other people are commenting on both Skype and in the YouTube comments of how valuable our talks have been for yeah. them. Yeah, I saw that. It's pretty great. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, you've got others, other Dhamma dudes riding your coattails. So you're dragging along a whole community, Alex. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, congratulations to you too, Dorado. <laughs> it's it's our friendship that wins them all. <laughs> yeah. So um making sure now that we're beginning to pay attention to the distinction between being satisfied with effort that we're not getting the things that we want and start looking at it. Well, maybe I really don't want it because there's a lot of effort to want it. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll start looking at that one. Thank you. You, you, you kind of just like spoke what has been like there at the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't see it. It's exactly it. 
So like I, well, I'm just following Patita Samupada. We're going now from Upadana back to Tanha. <laughs> one thing that's so one thing that I've been practicing is I've just been saying I don't care. I don't care what Alex wants right now. That's fine. Uh, nope. Alex is taking a back seat. I'm chilling. I'm I'm just ex- I'm just relaxed. That's a good one. Alex like, wants don't a matter. Wholesome thought. Yeah. It's really, it's really kind of like in those moments of of strong wanting. There, it's like you know the 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 rope. You're pulling tight on the rope, and then the tension just breaks because I just let go. I'm just like, no, nope, that's okay. Alex isn't here. I don't care what Alex's wants are. Here's a way of thinking, and that is that the rope, one side of it is pulling this way, and the other side is pulling that way. And as long as you're the rope, you feel stretched and pulled. But when yeah. you step back and you see what's happening in the mind is this rope swelling thing, and yeah. you can see that stuff. Yeah. And you say, hey, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. And it's, well, that rope it's pulling is one side of it <clears throat> is all of the rules, all of the what ifs, all of if you do it this way, that'll happen, and all of these kind mm. of thoughts. And the other side now is the side of, oh, no, you're right. It might happen. What should I do? Oh, I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. What do I do now, mm-hmm. Daddy? Okay. Yes, so- yes, yes, yes. That's right. And I can, and then I could just like, oh, wait, that's all right. I can just relax from this. That's exactly. Fine. And so, so this good. is the parent, this is the child, and the coming back is the, and seeing what's going on is the adult who now is the part of the mind that takes charge and says, hey, guys, let's break this up. Let's have some fun here. It's really nice. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's especially in those times where there'll be like, I'll be watching a movie with Abby, and it'll be like, you know, there's not heavy practice during, so I'm just watching the movie. And then something will come up like, wait, I feel like I'm losing, or I don't feel too good right now, or I need to do something. And it's like, Oh, I could just relax. <laughs> and it's crazy because before I would, you know, I would see that on wholesome thought. I'd be like, ah, I see you. Wholesome thought. Pick it like it was so like regimented. Now mm. it's just like, I see you. Oh, I can just relax. It's okay. It's really nice. It's really nice to be able to do that. It's good that you're giving up your regimentation. Yes, giving up the regimentation. Seriously, that's and 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 there's been some times I'm glad that basically you're you're validating for me that I'm heading in the right direction direction because um, there's been kind of like push and pull with that rope of like, well, do I keep my regiment or do I let go of my regiment? And when I see that, I'm just like, okay, I can just relax. That's what it is. Duca Duca right. Naroda. Mm-hmm. Well, that regimentation that you're speaking of can also be uh, understood as what we're talking about. And you're using your word regimentation so you know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm doing the best I can with the word regimentation to understand exactly what you're talking about. And in that regard, that which we are now speaking is in the stilted language of the translation into English is the same thing as rites, ceremonies, mm. rules, 
Rituals. Yes. Yeah, Dan so. talked about this with me a long time ago, actually. And I told him, I told him that I was, was beyond that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I was so, just allowing everything to be as it is. I wasn't meditating for 20 minutes a day and this and that. But who knew? Who knew that? I don't know. There they are. Anyway, there they are. There yeah. they are. That's the whole point is, is that um, it's actually kind of mind-boggling for folks to come to really understand that they are rule-driven, rule-bound, boxed in, constrained by boundaries that they have created in childhood about how you're supposed to be, rather than being much more uh, open and natural. That in fact, we are taught in our society to hide from our mistakes and to hide from things that are not quite good enough. And therefore, we tend to lie. And if we're lying to others about the bad things that we've done, then we also lie to ourselves about the bad things that we're doing in, the, in our own mind. And the lie is, is that, oh, that's okay. Here's an example of that. Uh, that in fact, I have seen it several times um both socrates uh was the guy who i think really looked at this and the uh pen and teller the the magicians would take this position also and that and the position is is that uh about the the way the law works and in fact isn't is part of the example and that is, is that you have to have committed a crime in order to have broken the law. In other words, it's behavior. And then they say, well, what if they are preparing for a crime? Like setting up the getaway car and packing uh, ammunition and walking into the bank only to find that the door is closed. But the cops are standing waiting for you right outside the bank. Okay, you didn't get a chance to rob the bank, but then they can talk an attempted robbery, so there's still behaviors and actions. But if you only plan on robbing the bank in your mind, then they can't do nothing about you, right? And so then the idea that any thought that I have of robbing a bank is okay, so long as I don't get seen doing it. And so I can plan and and um, do all of that kind of stuff. And where the Buddha is saying, well, wait a minute, the mind is the forerunner to all behavior. If we have unwholesome thoughts, we will be in the propensity of wanting those unwholesome things. And therefore, we are putting ourselves in the position of actually going and doing something like preparing to rob the bank. Mm hmm. But if we change it at the mental level so that we're now having wholesome thoughts of everything is okay and everything is satisfactory and there's really no worries and I don't really need the money in that bank anyway, that I'm okay without it. Now that then 
tends to keep us in a state of very, very high class morality. The mind is noble. And that's the source of morality is if you don't want anything, then you're not going to harm anyone to get it. But the way that our, our children are taught is thou shalt not rob a bank. Mm -hmm. You can think about it all you want to, but you better not do it. Or the other side of that is, well, if you do it, that's okay, but don't get caught. Right? So the question is the distinction between uh, getting caught for doing it getting away with doing it, thinking about doing it, but not actually doing it, and then not even having thoughts of doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are the various mm. stages that we can see. That, oh, well, that's the place that the mind should be, is just not wanting anything. Mm -hmm. To be satisfied with what is. And so this is where we now for you can begin to look at this point of looking at, at the the one itself. Mm. Before we mm. were doing, I don't get what I want. Now we're going to be <clears throat> looking at the wanting. Mm. Can I, in fact, get to the point of not wanting it and just liking it? It's okay. It's right. I mean, beautiful money. Wow, it's green and has a particular smell to it. And look at the detail in the printing and all of that kind of stuff. And I really can't appreciate that money, but I don't want it. Hmm. <laughs> and um, how do you propose that one starts to look at things that way? Um, whatever it is that you want, you start inspecting it like that, playfully, turn it into a toy, take it apart. When you really inspect it and see it for what it is, you say, wait a minute, I really don't want that. <laughs> Wanting it hurts. Getting it mm. and having to keep it hurts. Losing mm. it hurts. <laughs> This is so interesting. I okay, so I noticed this actually today. By the way, as a preface, I've been starting to do that actually. I'm noticing when there's wanting, and then I'll try to just bring it back to oh, let's let's just keep it at liking. And I don't know what that is, but let's just keep it at liking. I set it as an intention, and so that way I notice the difference between liking and wanting. But um, I'm sure many people could probably relate to this, but my girlfriend. She has nice lips and sometimes I notice that I look at her lips and there's like a there's like a, a pain that arises of of desire of like wanting to kiss her lips uh -huh. and no matter how much I get to kiss her lips or she comes in for a kiss or even if she doesn't like no matter how much I even look at them it's just more and more and more pain more dukkha um so usually right after that satisfying because you keep wanting the lips yeah even yeah. when you've got the lips when you're feeling them around your mouth you still want more and more and more yeah okay yeah okay mm -hmm. um yep. so 
That's exactly Here's right. Here's the thing. Now you can begin to play with looking at her lips from across the room and say, wow, those are very, very nice lips. They're quite beautiful, but I don't want them right now. I can sit here being satisfied without it. I don't have to want them. I can just enjoy how beautiful and luscious they are. <laughs> very beautiful, but I don't want them. Hmm. <laughs> just start like, just start saying that. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So whatever the object of desire is, look at why you desire it is because you like it so much and stay with the liking. Inspect the liking. Like it a lot. But satisfied with just the liking, I don't necessarily now have to want it. Okay. Oh, man. Things are getting more simple, Domerado. This is great. Mm -hmm. Three weeks ago, I would have asked you, wait, but how do I do that? Or I don't really think I can do that. Or like, how does that work actually? Or like, how will I know? And I'm just like, okay, I'll investigate. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's because you're beginning to get the confidence that you can do this. You were just being a victim to you of your own mind before. Yeah. Full of doubt and worry and flurry and restlessness. And Got to do it. Yeah. Now you just chill, baby. Just chill. <laughs> Things okay, and you can handle it. <laughs> yeah. And so, as we do that, we begin to develop that attitude that was referred to in the suttas as the Buddha was a lion. Or a bull. Confidence. Got this wired. I don't remember the name of the musician who said it, but there's that song that da 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 can't touch me. <laughs> okay. Now that's the expression of an an attitude. Oh, is it the one you can't touch this? Yeah. Uh, you you can't touch this. That's this. Can't touch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's the attitude that we're coming to. We've got this. Whatever it is that comes to mind, including you can't handle this. And then, oh, yes, I can. Yes, I can handle this. Yeah, because I'll just relax. There's nothing to handle. There's nothing there. Right, exactly. Except the thought you can't do it. Exactly. Except the thought you can't do it. Exactly right. That's it. When that thought's not going around, I'm cool. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. So I can just be cool right now. Exactly. So more than likely there was, as I said just before, more than likely there was an adult in your life that was really down on you. And oh, you yeah. learn to be really down on yourself. Yeah. 
And so now you're beginning to wake up to that. Congratulations. Yeah. A really relaxed, happy little congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend asked me today, she's like, do you ever get tired? Aren't you tired? And I just, I just was like, mm, sometimes. <laughs> just enjoying. Well, you've been all wound up for so many years. Now that you got no place to go, she sees you're spinning. <laughs> Even that will relax too. All you have to do, literally, is now that you're taking your foot off the gas, and you roll right down to a stop. Let us say that you were right uh, powering down at about 80 miles an hour. And now that you're beginning to take your foot off the gas, you're still going about 79. But it'll just slow down. Well, I think actually I meant to say that to say that I actually feel like I have more energy now than I did ever before. Yeah, you got all those horsepowers on the under the hood, no place to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just get to Isn't stare at the trees that and marvelous. It. That's where the source of the bull comes from. That you've had that power all along, but you're just racing around, going in all the wrong directions with it. Yeah. Now that you can take that stuff out of out of gear, now there's real power within you. Yeah. It's funny, you know, uh, a video game, the expression boss battle, where you, you get pat, you get to the end of the level and you have to beat the boss, the big guy. Once you uh -huh. get past that guy, then you go to the next level and then you have to beat another big boss. And that's what I've been doing my whole life, just beating a bunch of bosses, having a bunch of boss battles. But now, mm -hmm. I don't have to play yeah. any more boss battles. Yeah, right, right, the boss don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is actually the boss. <laughs> yeah, you're the boss, exactly. You're already the boss. Now. I'm the ultimate boss battle. That's funny, mm -hmm. right? Because I'll probably have to let go of that eventually, too. <laughs> yes, because the boss is only a boss because of some rule about what is a boss. So let's let go of those rules, and now there are no bosses. Bosses. Just bulls. Because <laughs> <clears throat> you got the power. That's, in fact, the spiritual power that so many people lust for. Mm. It's been known down through the ages. I still see occasionally Westerners uh, talk about abstinence and celibacy as a source for power. You probably heard that one. Okay. Yeah. Here's something that we all know quite a lot about. And that is, is that historically in the 11th century, because of a lot of land problems of who owned the church property, they made an edict that priests can no longer get married, which means that any children that they have are illegitimate and cannot then claim the property of, the, let us say, the church, the parish. They, while this young man came to this place 
and built the church with all the help of the people. He lived in that church until his old age, and when he dies, who owns the church? The Catholic church way over there in Rome says, we own this piece of property. But if he's got kids, then his kids will inherit that. That was where all of that started. Okay, so since the 11th century, we have had every generation of hundreds of thousands of priests sometimes, all of them in these churches, having various um, success with celibacy, and yet not one story, not one saint has ever been canonized for flying around his own belfry. None of them have ever learned to fly. None of them have ever had that kind of spiritual power. Not one Catholic priest out of hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions over the generations, and never one example of one who had that kind of real spiritual magic power of flying through the air. Never happened. So the possibility for you to do it is quite remote. Since you've had all of these people who dedicated their lives to being able to do that kind of stuff, and no one's been successful at it. No historical records, nothing proved ever. And believe me, the Catholic Church, if they could have proved it, they would have been parading it around for centuries. Can't prove it, right? So that's that's the kind of power that they lust for. But the power of being straight, the power of being noble is a different kind of power. The power of knowing that you've got this, that you're the winner here, you're the boss. This was one of the ways of uh, uh, describing the Buddha that wherever he went, even if he went into the magical heavens, when he gets there, everybody who is there is paying attention to him. If he goes into the king's court, when the Buddha enters the king's court, everybody pays attention to him. There's a lot of examples of that kind of stuff. For instance, if the Pope goes to a uh, an opera, then at least at the beginning of the opera, everybody pays attention to the Pope. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the whole quality that we're looking for. That, in fact, I know of particular monks that if that monk ever went into public place, he would be become the center of attention. Bhikkhu Buddhadasa would have been someone like that. You know, it's really interesting you say that because that's very rarely ever been the case for me. Okay, all right. Well, it comes from your presence, your self-conscious. Okay. Is actually the weight that you gather from the power that you have been wasting in an internal battle. And when you stop the war inside, look at all the resources that you've got. This is the quality that the Buddha talks about is the unification of the mind, which is the sama area samati. When the mind is completely organized, then it's got real power. You've probably heard an old saw that people only use 10% of their brain. 
only mm -hmm. 10% of their mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. A better way of saying that is everybody has full capability of using the mind completely. They just don't use it, but about 10% of the time. Most of the time we're on automatic pilot, mm -hmm. which is stumbling around in the dark, operating on instincts operating on automatic, operating from the conflict between the parent and the child, and we're really not using that higher part of the mind. But when we start using that higher part of the mind and put it in gear along with the nurturing and self um, uh, work that happens between the parent and the child so that it's back to a state of nurturing and interdependency, and the adult is there. That unification of mind is now makes one really powerful. An example of that is the master psychologist that can suss somebody out before they've even gotten a chance to tell their story. <laughs> That's because it's the power of observation, the power of really looking at stuff and seeing because they've seen it before and putting it together. Okay, but most people, when they're looking at somebody, they're thinking more about what they're going to say than actually what is clearly obvious to them, which they would look at, they could see it if they knew what to look for also. So that's the, the whole point is not that you can look, but that you can look and can look and can look and can look and keep looking and keep looking. You begin to put some things together based upon evidence mm -hmm. rather than based upon old knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's really, there's nothing magical about it. It's just that the obstructions are less or gone and you mm -hmm. can really actually see things as they are. As they really are. And that kind of power or that kind of knowledge is real power. That, in fact, would be the kind of power that would be a good negotiator, one who can make deals. Mm. Good thing I'm in sales. <laughs> okay, well, that's the power. All right. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. This is what he was actually pointing towards. But most people think that they get positive thinking by doing affirmations. <laughs> Here are the affirmations are not one of the things. Here are the affirmations about what is. And that's where the real power comes from, is dealing with the way things really are, rather than the way that we want them to be. Well, what did you say the affirmations are of what is? Well, that's the problem with the affirmations that you see in the self-help books is the examples that are used, people will take that example out of the book and they don't have it. And so it becomes a wannabe or an aspiration rather than an affirmation. It becomes an aspiration. I'm a loser. I don't have that. I want it. And now I'm dissatisfied because I don't have what I'm telling myself that I should have. It's just another set of rules. That's why those uh, self-help books don't work very well. George Collins got a really good joke about that, that he goes into the bookstore and there's that whole section of self-help books. And so he grabs one and he takes it to the counter and as he's, he's buying and he says, wait a minute, I helped myself to get this book off of the bookshelf. 
maybe I can help myself out the door without him. <laughs> That's great. Uh, he, he wrote his own self-help book in two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i used to be a self-help junkie that's actually what led me into this i was i was so uh exhausted from self-help i realized i was not going to become the person that i wanted to be and i wanted out i was miserable right. and so and the whole point this... about self-help is is that you need help guess what you don't need any help yeah, you and you gotta yeah, yeah. And you gotta change. You gotta change who you are and this and that. But this mm -hmm. is real change. Mm -hmm. Exactly so. Yeah. Now this is not want to be. That's just right. more desire. You can right. see that in fact you you got burned out on it. <laughs> yep. It, it didn't give you the relaxation that you didn't know that you were looking for. No. In fact, that was one of the most troubling things about it. Every time I got an ounce of satisfaction from it, I wanted more. I wanted more, and I wanted it while I had it, and wanted it after I had it. And it was, oh, I the see lips it. again. I see it now. <laughs> I see it. I can see it everywhere. You're right. Uh -huh. Yeah. First is self-help books, now is lips. Same thing. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Well, it was lips then, too. I just didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, then it was self-help books and lips. Now it's just lips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll take the latter. <laughs> okay, well, wakey-wakey to recognize that, oh, no, those lips are painful. Mm -hmm. Would you want them that don't have them? And sometimes you don't even have them enough when you do have them. Mm -hmm. It's even when I see a picture, too. When I see a picture of girls, it's, it's right there. It's like, ooh, right. this is painful. It's, mm -hmm. it's right away. Yeah. yeah. But the Christian way is you're not supposed to like them. And you can't do that. That's, that's built with the right genes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we can stop it at that point of liking if we're wise it's really good i like what you're saying because it's like if i can notice the wanting then right there i can be like oh wait oh i can appreciate this oh wow that's nice oh i like that and i yeah, like that I don't, <laughs> I don't want it i don't want it it's yeah i can, I can see appreciate it. it like it is yeah. right now You'd appreciate it like it is, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like, I don't know, I got this weird image, like you, you see a dragon <laughs> or something, right? Or like uh, maybe something that's more down to earth is you're at the zoo and you see like a, a snake and it's really, really cool. It's really nice and beautiful looking. But if you go up to that snake and you go over the railing, you want to see that snake too close, it's going to snap your neck, it's going to snap your, snap you in the face. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, yeah. oh, I could just enjoy it from here. This is good enough. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, you can see that it's the same thing as going to the Louvre and seeing the Mona Lisa. Some of the people look at the Mona Lisa and say, oh, quite a small little painting and it's all cracked up. And others will say, oh, wow, I really appreciate the beauty that's in this thing. And another one is saying, hey, maybe when nobody's looking, I can cut this picture out of the frame and roll it up and take it out of the <laughs> right. Yeah, really. Guess which one of them wants it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our thoughts determine our behavior like that. Yeah. So it's okay to see the beauty of it, but you don't want it. Right. So wow. we can appreciate art like that. We can appreciate the girl with those lips like that. Yeah. And that's freedom to like things without wanting them. Yeah. Well, let's finish now. Let's finish today. I think that this is a good resting point. Yeah, the last thing I wanted, to, uh, the last thing I'd like to tell you is that I've been learning to hold everything lightly. Relief lightly, dukkha lightly, lips lightly, holding it That's all lightly. It. Holding it all lightly is just another expression of liking it, but not wanting it. Good. Same thing. Good. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. They say that angels can fly because they take themselves so lightly. <laughs> now, that's the kind of flying around that's of spiritual magical power. And that is when you take things so lightly that you can fly. Can I ask you one more question? All right. I, um, you may want to, I don't know. You might want to take the recorder off. All right. Well, why don't we finish the, the recorder now? Okay. And we'll see you.